Chapter 1 I could hear my own breathing, sounding like the surf against the rocks at Malabar, as the cartridge respirator kept me safe from any external contamination. Behind the clear mask that protected my eyes and face, and a little awkward in the spacesuit, I manoeuvred as delicately as I could. It's something like dry land diving, and in my world there are just as many reefs and sharks to outmanoeuvre. Outside the house I was searching, the Haskem boys from the fire brigade were champing at the bit, wanting to get in here with their solvents and their powerful sterilising equipment. But the fire brigade would just have to wait a little longer while I searched and recorded everything in the dead man's house. As a senior analyst with criminalistics at Forensic Services of the Australian Federal Police and a one-time New South Wales police crime scene examiner, I take precedence especially with this sort of death. I'd been called out early this morning, away from a couple of days of hard-earned leave, and I knew my daughter Jacinta would take a dim view of this if she woke up while I was away. We'd been planning a walk around the coast and brunch at Maroubra. Instead, I was searching a dead man's house. Dr Tony Bonning's analytical laboratory had been similarly searched and found to be completely clean, Accident had been ruled out, and suicide was most unlikely, given that Dr. Bonning had just been promoted and was looking forward to a working holiday in Scotland. And who, except the floridly insane, would use such a means to end his life? I even knew the man slightly. Tony Bonning wasn't a friend, but he was a colleague, because in our game eventually you get to know the names and faces of just about everyone in similar and related fields. His special area had been in the chemistry of toxins, and he had sometimes given evidence as an expert witness. Over the years I'd bumped into everyone connected with forensic science at various functions and conferences. Tony Bonning was a nice fellow with whom I'd chatted on those sorts of occasions, but nothing more. Until now. It felt odd to be searching his house now. Behind me I was aware of our young trainee, Vic Agnew, lent to me by the Federal Police for a training course. Similarly kitted out, Vic followed, filming my every move with his video camera. Occasionally I said something for the recording if I felt it was important, even though I knew the sound quality would be very poor because of the breathing apparatus. Vic also passed a rare comment, but mostly we worked quietly, focused and attentive to the surroundings. Part of a crime scene examiner's job is to cover the scene of the crime so thoroughly that it can be presented to the judge and jury as if they had seen it for themselves. Usually the police do this, but because of the nature of Tony Bonning's death and the possible danger lurking in his home, I was carrying out these procedures. The other aspect of crime scene examination involves finding, collecting and recording evidence. Already we had searched every room, a visual search first, without touching or disturbing anything, recording in a methodical way so that nothing was left unnoted, marking the door to each room as we left it, to show any following police officers what we'd covered. Every contact leaves a trace, taught the great 19th century French criminologist and scientist Edmund Lockhart. 
In the normal run of homicides, I would expect the killer's presence to be betrayed by some sort of trace. But this killer had not needed to visit this house in person. Instead, he had sent a gift-wrapped emissary on his behalf. A silent, deadly and agonising assassin. Because the autopsy results were public, and I already knew what had killed scientist Dr. Bonning, and how, I was concentrating my efforts on food and drink items, taking wipe samples from everywhere, sealing them in sterile containers, detailing their origin. So far the kitchen had been most disappointing, with the refrigerator almost empty, apart from a block of cheese, some shriveled bacon, and bottles of wine and beer still sealed. The freezer was empty of food, almost filled.